Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Ask the Industry podcast, episode 25. For those of you new to the show, this is the podcast where I interview the most influential people from the worlds of stand-up, comedy, radio, TV, and today, festivals. Jeff Rowe runs the Leicester Comedy Festival, as it was formerly known. Now it's known as Dave's Leicester Comedy Festival, and he does pick me up on that quite a few times. We talk about the history of the festival and how it started. I don't want to reveal any spoilers because it's such an interesting story and he tells that story a million times better than I ever will. It's really fascinating and it really explains why it takes place in February and why it just became this very community-led and and community-centric project that he sees it as, as well as the good things they do for the local community and for the local people who are interested in both performance as well as comedy we talk a lot about the sponsorship that dave offers and whether that helps new talent find their way onto tv or find their way up the ladder as it were in the comedy world we also talk about what his audiences come to watch and what he and the board are trying to encourage to come to the festival and we also deep dive into how you can promote a show in leicester if you don't live there as well as the do's and don'ts legally that cover you as a performer if you enjoyed the brighton fringe or the edinburgh fringe one you're probably really going to love this one if you're looking at doing dave's leicester comedy festival the applications are open at the moment so uh if you listen to this and you like me think it is going to be something worth doing you should definitely go on their website all the links are on the show notes which you can find at simoncane.co.uk forward slash ask the industry podcast in the show notes you can find every question we talked about as well as links to everything we talked about as well as uh, everything that he mentioned and plugged in that really quickly thank you so much to everyone who has reviewed the podcast since the last episode we're now at 30 reviews which i'm so happy about like disproportionately excited about please do keep doing that that'd be really useful and really helpful and it and like i said it does help out the show thank you so much to everyone who's donating it's really helpful and it really supports the show thank you so much to everyone who has joined as a patron it's really helpful and it really alleviates a lot of stress and worry for me financially about the show if you are a patron you get free tickets to my live shows i have two at the moment during the edinburgh fringe festival one's on the 25th and one's on the 30th if you join the ask the industry podcast group on facebook you you can get more information about that basically i'm getting down five agents for each of those events 
to come down and answer all your questions that you want to ask them and uh, yeah they can also discuss stuff between them so if you have a question about the circuit or you have questions about touring or any of that stuff you can ask them as a group and they can answer it as a group and I think it's really going to be an interesting experiment to do I haven't got a ticket link for that sort of yet because I haven't finished off uh, finalising who the agents are but the people who have confirmed are really exciting so do join the Facebook group you'll get the most information about it there uh, If you also if you check the website there's some information there I'm going to keep the ticket price quite low like a couple of quid just to cover overheads but uh, as I said patrons will get in uh, and 100% for free they also don't have to worry about like not getting a seat because they will have a reserved seat at all the events i'm also trying to organize one for people who can help your show go further at the fringe so touring managers touring producers venue hires that kind of stuff so if you're interested in that please do join the facebook group and you'll get loads of information about that another plug for my fringe show very quickly if you're interested in coming down to support me at the edinburgh fringe and see my show please do uh, it's at just the tonic caves it is not at calgate head it is at the same time it's at 7 30 p.m every single day except for the 18th please come I'm really worried that my fringe program listing is going to redirect people to the wrong place and no one's going to come. So if you can come or if you can help me out, please do tell a friend that I've got a show if you're not going to Edinburgh. Just recommend it around, share my posters. All my stuff is on my website for free to share and to pass around. I've made it as easy and as simple as I possibly can. So uh, thank you very much for that support and for that help. And uh, hopefully see you in Edinburgh. If you do come, come say hi. A few people came in Brighton. And it was really nice. So do actually come up and say hi. It would be really useful to like, you know, meet people from the podcast, but also know if you came because that'd just be lovely. So yeah, that's awesome. Also, very quickly, I've entered my fringe poster into a fringe poster comedy competition thing. The link is in the show notes of the podcast as well as in the description of the podcast. Basically, uh, there's an audience vote which means that the poster that gets the most votes, even if you vote it one star, it counts. So it's the poster that gets the most votes will win. So if you could spare a minute to log in and just click however many stars you think it's worth. If you do five stars, that's really helpful because it might go forward to the judges uh, voting. But if you can't do that, just click one star if you want and it really helps to get me more votes to get to the audience vote so but don't don't just vote it one star if you can help it um four and five stars are obviously the best um in this really arbitrary system but uh the reason i really want that to happen is because the prize is like a grand or something or or slightly more than that and i'm going to split it with my poster designer and hopefully that means she'll get some more work in the industry for designing posters because i think she's bloody amazing and she's so professional about everything and also it can help me recoup some of the money back from my listing in the edinburgh fringe brochure that now is incorrect so if you want to help me get that money back but you don't want and you can't like financially support directly please do do that that would be amazing yeah thank you very much for doing that if you do and if you do let me know you did it so i can thank you because unfortunately it doesn't tell me who did it and that's really annoying because i do actually want to thank people who help me out so yeah Anyway, sorry, I'm going to stop rambling. Without any further delays, this is Jeff Rowe. So we set up what was known as Leicester Comedy Festival uh, in... Well, we had the idea to do it in 1993, and we were a bunch of students studying arts management at De Montfort University in Leicester. And so in our second year, we had to decide what we were going to do for our practical project in the final year. And we, as happens from time to time um we met in the student union bar and we sat around and somebody i don't think it was me said should we do a comedy festival um which 
was fine, I think, except you have to understand that none of us had ever promoted comedy before. Um, and also, Leicester wasn't um, a traditional comedy town. So if you think of cities like Glasgow or Liverpool, it would have a comedy festival because it's sort of part of the DNA of the city, I suppose. Leicester didn't have any regular comedy clubs. Um, I think it was suggested that we should set up a comedy festival because... Most of the people in my group were big music fans and we read Enemy every week. That was our Bible. And in 1993 was the year two things happened. One is Enemy coined the phrase comedy is the new rock and roll. And also Rob Newman and David Baddiel were on the front cover of Enemy because they did their what was the biggest one of the biggest comedy gigs at Wembley Arena. Um, so suddenly comedy was the coolest thing in the world. And uh, they, we said, yeah, all right, let's set up a comedy festival. And so, and we, with no great degree of enthusiasm, particularly, um, <laughs> we went, yeah, all right, why not? It was better than a Eastern European theatre festival or a dance festival or something else that we could have. Not that there's anything wrong with dance festivals or Eastern European <laughs> theatre festivals. Um, so uh, that was decided, and so we decided to set up this festival. And it was in February. A lot of people ask why it's in February. And it's in February because we had to write a report on our practical project. And we then had to get the reports marked in time for us to graduate. So we literally went from deadline date for the report, how long was it going to take us to write it, and that's why the festival is in February. It's for no other reason other than that. Other than that you left it to your last minute yeah. to finish your report. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, so that's why we set it up and uh i had i'd lived in london before going to leicester to university to work for a band and i knew two people um i knew i knew a lot more than that but i knew two relevant people <laughs> one person was a tv producer who pre who specialized in comedy so i rang sandy up and said can you tell me everything you know about comedy and everything i need to know about live comedy and the other person i knew was a neighbor of tony slattery so because I had uh, Jim's address, I also therefore had Tony's address because he was a neighbour. So I wrote to Tony Slattery at home and asked him to become a patron of the festival, which he agreed to, him and Norman Wisdom. This is the first year? This was in the first year. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so that was quite scary. Uh, and, it and then over the summer, it became very real that we were going to do this festival. And we contacted venues in the city and agents and promoters. Um, as now, I, well, now I suppose it's easier to contact those sorts of people because there's a thing called the internet, uh, which in 1993 there wasn't. Um, so there was no directory of comedy agents. As far as I know, there still isn't. But you can Google people and you can find people a lot easier now than you could then. So we just asked people and people gave us phone numbers and uh, you, we rang, we faxed people because we had fax machines then. Uh, and we wrote people letters. And, and eventually, over a number of months... Leicester Comedy Festival became a, a thing, I suppose. There was never any plan to carry it on. I mean, it was a project. It was a student project. We didn't admit to it being a student project because we felt that if people thought it was a student project, they wouldn't do it. Um, so we just came up with this thing of saying we're doing this Leicester Comedy Festival. Because we had Tony Slattery and Norman Wisdom's names on our letterhead, that intrigued people. So they'd never really heard of Leicester. A lot of people would say, where exactly is Leicester? Um... And so they hadn't heard of us. They hadn't heard of Leicester Comedy Festival because it hadn't existed. Leicester wasn't this kind of hive of comedy activity. So I think having those two on our letterhead was very helpful to introduce us to people. Um, I was always 
when I was younger, I went to festivals a lot, music festivals. So for me, it was really, really important that Leicester Comedy Festival was festive and isn't just a collection of comedy shows that might happen somewhere else. So for me, it was very important. The comedy, obviously, is very, very important, but also being festive is very has always been very important and will continue to be very important to the festival. I think there are there's now a lot of comedy festivals. Some of them are very good, and some of them are just a collection of shows that would happen anyway. Um, a comedy festival in one venue is not a comedy festival, um, and there's lots of those around. But I'm not here to slag off other comedy festivals. Clearly, well, you can if you want. <laughs> I don't mind. Um, I've done it before. I don't get very popular if I do that. <laughs> You'd be very popular with my listeners. Let's oh well, uh, well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, you know, twelve hundred people versus everyone else. I don't know how you. <laughs> No, because I read an interview with you where you said that, you'd, that every word in the title of the festival means something. Yes, that's always been the case. So that's the other thing that I hate about festivals is when they just parachuted into somewhere. Um, so, yes, I said uh, I used to say a lot that Leicester comedy and festival, those three words are of equal importance. And now, obviously, Dave is very important because we're called Dave's Leicester Comedy Festival. But um, I think it's very important to involve local people and have an impact on where on where you are um not in any great worthy way particularly but just it's important that we are a festival of comedy in leicester um and that sort of manifests itself in many many different ways but um i think that is partly why we have survived 23 years well we've survived 22 if we get through to next february we'll survive 23 fingers crossed (laughs) yeah absolutely um but i think uh lots of comedy festivals will come and go in those 23 years and that's fine but i think we have partly survived because uh local people really like it national people really like it too but it's important that locally we have an impact arguably in a city like leicester that's quite easy to do much easier than in manchester or or brighton some of these places i know have comedy festivals but if you live in manchester there's loads of stuff going on there's loads of stuff happening in london all the time in leicester less so so it's easier i think to make an impact as a performer Mm -hmm. when i do a gig in london people come out and maybe it's their fourth show of the week like it doesn't have to be it's comedy it's just their fourth outing that week yeah and when i do a gig i'm not gonna mention cities but just out of london Mm -hmm. they seem to come in much higher numbers but they also seem to be much more interested because it's their like one night out that Mm -hmm. work week or whatever Yeah, yeah so is it kind of the same in leicester um uh well not during the festival because of we've got 640 <laughs> shows and people go and see an average of five shows during the festival so um they've probably been out four, four or five times mm. by the time you see you but um yeah i think so i mean we don't you know, when dave came along it was great for us because you know in leicester there's not a lot of branding there's not a lot of you know people giving away widgets and stuff on the street from coca-cola or whoever it happens to be um so i think that impact is easier having said all of this i've never run a festival anywhere else so i i have no personal experience of running a festival in in london or manchester but um i also think leicester's a great festival city it's very compact you can get from venue to venue we have 47 venues this year in the festival and you can get to most of them within about 15 minutes walking um it's fairly cheap to stay in hotels um there's lots of restaurants and stuff so it's I mean, there are two universities in the city, so it's quite a university-biased mm. town. Um, 
but it's 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 a good festival city i think because it's compact it's only an hour from london on the train you know you can get from birmingham to leicester our audience is spread across the uk because it's so, so centrally located so uh, uh can't remember what your question was uh, no that's answered a lot don't okay, worry good. and that's interesting as well so would you say that the timing of the year also has a good impact because the students are around yeah absolutely um and also a lot of our venues say it's their second christmas <laughs> so uh i believe with venues what tends to happen is december is a very important month that's true for venues as much as for bars and restaurants and stuff which we use a lot of so um they get, they earn a lot of money in december and then if most people's financial year ends in march then february is economically a good time to run a festival because they get a second boost um before the end of the financial year that's very dull reason but uh, yes. it's why our venues really like us um and they take a lot of money obviously they sell a lot of beer and sell a lot of food and a lot of tickets so it, it's uh, they tell us it's very good for them okay and go back really quickly to when dave for example adding that to the title of the yeah thing how did you pick that as a sponsor <laughs> um well we had so many offers from so many people you know you make it sound like you know well we just thought well they were the right people well no i just because, because if all the other words means like equal amounts and so high yeah thing, i imagine adding a name to that was quite a big decision it was and also who you add there yeah. could have an impact on audiences so for example if it was a beer brand maybe fosters for example who did the yeah. award in edinburgh yeah that might attract more students than maybe you know a certain other demographic yeah well uh it's true to say if it was the b and q leicester comedy festival it wouldn't have <laughs> quite the same uh, association um you're absolutely right and i was very hesitant about taking on a title sponsor and i was very hesitant although the money's great um it's not just about the money for me that i said earlier on that when we set up the festival the idea to carry it on was never there but when we got to about 10 i then suddenly thought oh we've been doing it for 10 years i'd like it to carry on and like it to grow and develop so that's when there was a real shift when we were 10 um and then we met Dave, the people from Dave, and frankly, there was, um, it sounds real marketing nonsense, but there was a synergy between what they do and what we do. And what I never predicted was that people would like Dave quite so much. Um, I didn't think they'd hate it, but they do, it's a, it's a brand that people very, feel very comfortable with, um, and most people will watch it at some point or another um and so it was it was it felt like a great fit um and and i've been really pleased at the way we've worked together over the last before years i think maybe come out to five years um they're hugely supportive the other thing i was worried about was that we would be taken over by a corporate machine so dave were owned by uk tv and i think if we'd been sponsored by coca-cola for example we would have been sucked into a corporate machine well, Dave certainly are not like that, and UKTV, uh, from my experience, are not like that. And it's a very, it's, I'm making it sound like it's, uh, I'm sort of giving it, um, what's the word? I'm cherry coating the partnership. Obviously, sometimes it's difficult, um, but we get on, and they want to support us in what we're doing. And I think we help them bring to life what they're trying to do. Um, through things like the pun championships that we've developed over the last few years that came about with a conversation that we had with Dave where we were talking about well what can we do 
and very quickly they talked about what they liked we talked about what we liked and we came up with the idea and that happens quite a lot really um so they're, they're great for us they've been absolutely fantastic um and and it's enabled us to do all the things that for 15 16 17 years i've wanted to do so for a long time people would say why are you not advertising in london when are you going to do more street branding and the uh, the honest answer is we didn't have any money to do those things um so dave have helped us do some of those things right because I, I know you've got the punk competition uh, yeah you've got a few competitions up there as well like a new act one as well yeah uh, like uh, was that were they all like sort of is that dave trying to um use you a little bit as like a, a ground to find new talent because of the competition elements or well most of the only competition i think i'm right in saying i'm desperately trying to think but i think the only one we've done with dave is the uk pun championships okay um so the lester mercury comedian of the year that we've done since 95 was our is our idea um we do a thing called silver stand-up which is a comedian's aged over 55 um we do various competitions um but that's they're not necessarily there because of dave the pun championships are um but the rest of them are just there we're there because the Mercury, the Leicester Mercury Comedian of the Year, we set up because the local newspaper supported us in the first year, um, and they wanted to do, they wanted to have an event, and so with a conversation with them, we set up Leicester Comedy Fest, um, sorry, Leicester Mercury Comedian of the Year. Um, Silver Stand Up came about because we were doing some community work with older people, and it was actually a conversation with my mum's friend, who was telling me that she loved she's older and she loves comedy and she knew what i did for a job and so we chatted and then i said have you ever been to a comedy club and she said oh no and i went why not you love comedy you listen to it on radio 4 you watch it on television and she said well comedy clubs are for young people they're not for me and that was the starting point of silver silver stand-up was um was me thinking well is that true can older people if over 55 is older i don't know anymore but um can older people go to comedy clubs and also what will happen when jimmy carr michael mcintyre get to be 55 60 will they still be doing stand-up um and how the industry is growing up i suppose because when we started comedy was in its infancy really in the uk alternative comedy if that's what you want to call it clearly there's a whole tradition in variety and musical and all of that but you know it was it was very young and very small um and I'm one of the things I'm interested in is how the industry is evolving and growing up and becoming more, I suppose, more like the sort of indie record scene was and grew up and formed partnerships with major labels and became more corporate, I suppose. And that's not necessarily a negative thing. It just became more corporate. Um, comedy is run a lot particularly live comedy by one man one woman with an office in their house who suddenly decides to become an agent and you know there's one or two people working for them it's very often referred to it as a cottage industry it's tiny the comedy industry live comedy industry if you then look at dvds and tv and all that yeah. it changes but it's very small um it's very diy it is very diy uh, but it's changed a lot in 20 years well yeah because i feel like there's sort of been I don't want to say a revolution, but there's been sort of uh, handed to a new generation of comedians where we have uh, technology that's a lot cheaper. Yeah. We have the internet, like you said. There's, there's just a whole raft of things that have made the DIY element a lot easier. Yes. And, it's, and I mean, has that 
So I tell you, let's before we talk about that, let's go back to before when you were starting the festival. Okay. And you were saying that Leicester is, wasn't really a comedy town. No. And did you have any comedy clubs? Not not regular ones. We there was uh, there was two venues. The, the old Phoenix and the Y did uh, sort of they're about three hundred seats, so they did sort of touring shows. And then De Montfort Hall, would, which is fifteen sixteen hundred seats, did bigger shows. Um, but there was no regular comedy club around the same time as i was setting up the festival a good friend of mine set up a comedy the first regular comedy club in the city um whereas now there's five or six i think regular comedy um clubs in different venues we were the first place where junglers opened outside of london at the time they said they'd come to leicester because of the festival um we had a just a tonic until quite recently you know but these are the five or six are in bars and, and restaurants um, smaller clubs, I guess. So, would it be fair to say that, like, without the festival, that, that there wouldn't be as much of a circuit there, or is that? I'm not the person to answer I, that I know, question, just, am I'm I? Just, well, I'm just trying to work it out because it, it sounds like it put Leicester comedy-wise on the map, and as a result, maybe you're too humble for this, but it, <laughs> it sounds like it from my perspective. And as a result, people realised that people would want to come there and watch comedy but also come there and perform comedy because as a performer I go wherever the audience is yeah, I yeah. don't really mind yeah, so yeah. if you'd set up a festival and you'd prove to me that there are people there I think that's probably why Junglers went there or, or Just just the Tonic was it because um, yeah. yeah. you know what I mean they're, they're, they're businesses so if they, if they yeah. think there's profit there and they think there's businesses there so kind of you you were sort of the a beacon in a way for that is that fair to say <laughs> um or is that too uh, far I, I don't know if i've gone too far you could say that ego. i don't know you could say that yeah. i'm not sure i can but i think it's fair to say acts tell me all the time that leicester audiences are a comedy savvy crowd and that's because uh they've had a festival for 22 years um so yes i think in some way we have uh helped to form an environment in leicester where people can set up successful clubs having said that you know jonglers are no longer there just a tonic closed up and, and, and quite recently and some of the clubs that have been there over the last 20 years of course have come and gone um so it's you know it's not um it's not necessarily the best place in the world to do comedy but it but we do have comedy savvy audiences definitely and acts now know and agents now know where Leicester is yeah whereas when we started literally they would say I'm really sorry I don't know where Leicester is um didn't have google maps yeah they didn't have google maps that's it so do you think your audiences in Leicester come to see shows rather than sets then because in clubs it's a completely different environment to go and see you know people doing 10 15 20 minutes yeah than seeing them do an hour show so would you say that it's more attractive for them to see an hour rather than a club set necessarily uh no not necessarily and of course i mean we it's important to re- remember that 50 percent of our audience come from outside of leicestershire so uh this year we had a hundred thousand people come to the festival Fifty thousand of those are not local so um they presumably like like to come and see different types of things to a local audience i guess um uh i don't think i think for us as producers of the festival um hour-long shows are easier than people who want to do 10 minutes um and certainly next year we will be having we will be producing ourselves more mixed bill club nights because loads and loads and loads of people contact us who want to do five or ten minutes and perhaps over recent years we haven't had a place for them to go um so that's very important but no i think 
well our research tells us that everything's as popular as there's no necessary people don't come for hour-long shows um they go for all sorts of things because the festival is not just stand-up it's theater it's films it's workshops it's seminars it's all sorts of different sorts of things so um but i do think we need to work more on the mixed the mixed bill thing okay so you want to encourage more uh like two three four-hander shows yes very much so it's the way the festival used to work right when we set up the festival we would book 90 percent of it in end of august september once edinburgh finished so leicester was picking up the successful shows from edinburgh to then do in february it says something i think about the live industry and how it works that you couldn't possibly do that now because most acts that go to edinburgh who are at a sort of touring level will have booked their tours for the spring and the and the and the sorry the autumn and the spring before they go to edinburgh so if we haven't booked them by june july time um we won't get them because their tours have already been booked and routed when we were about 10 that whole scenario changed and so now what happens is loads of acts come to leicester to try out stuff for edinburgh so numerous successful acts have now will come and try out stuff and do their first work in progress which is hugely uh, attractive for audiences and reviewers and promoters and producers who now come to leicester to review stuff for the first time or to pick up shows for edinburgh so the timing of it has, has sort of completely done a 360 um change that's yeah. not even english degree turn turn yeah, thank you yeah, yeah. um and so now we are seen as being the first festival of the year because we are and it's the place to then to pick up shows and to see shows so if you want to see i don't know ramesh's new show you will come if you're an audience member and you're a fan you'll come to leicester to see it before he then takes it on the road does more work in progresses and then does edinburgh yeah that makes sense it's kind of a because I, I know that there are, um, in Edinburgh there are certain... Uh, so Freestival, for example, are trying to encourage yeah. more 30 to 40-minute shows. So, right. Uh, because there's sort of the, a lot of individual companies trying to differentiate. So it's interesting that you as an agency, uh, like as in the own... Not our own. Is it, would, you, would you say your own or are you an impartial agency like um, the Ed Fringe? You're the curation of the shows and you pick which ones go in? No, or? Not, no. By, not by a long stretch okay um so we work very much like edinburgh right so um we produce certain shows so the pun championships the comedian of the year the preview show comedy heaven comedy, comedy in the dark, in the dark yep. they're all ours mm-hmm. um and they're largely in place to make it festive i mentioned earlier on mm-hmm. about it's really important that it's festive so for ages since the beginning really we've produced our own shows but most of the shows in leicester are booked by external promoters so it's like edinburgh um we uh i think more closely curate it than edinburgh do edinburgh anybody can go to edinburgh and anyone can do their thing in leicester what happens a lot is that uh acts will come to us agents will come to us and then they'll say uh, where can we perform and we'll say well you could perform at the little theater the cookie the y or somewhere else um and then they go off and do the deals with those individual promoters and venues and then come back to us and say we've got a booking or sometimes they come back and say, well, we're being fought. Two promoters are fighting over us. Which one would be the best one to go with? And we're just really honest and say, well, we think you ought to go here or we think you ought to go here. That doesn't always make us terribly popular with our promoters and venues. Um, but it's important for us that that 
care, I suppose, and that attention to detail is there so that acts get the best venue uh, and the best experience, I guess. So the, so the process, what about if you didn't have like an agent or... A, so, if, so for me, for example, I'm, I'm an independent comedian. Yeah. So I would go to you and say, where can I do this show? It's about this or whatever. Yeah. You would then say, well, here are four venues that yeah. you can contact. I would then contact the venues directly. Yeah. Um, or whoever works at the venue directly. Yeah. Say to them, you've recommended I come to this venue. Do, should I go and see the venue? Or do they like have all the photos? Or how does... Um, the... the, the I was going to say better comedians, but I don't necessarily mean that. But I mean, the, the comedians who have the time and the energy, yes, will do that. Also, an awful lot of people now, because a lot of our promoters and venues are well-established and people know... So the Cookie in Leicester, for example, a lot of comedians will know the Cookie, a lot will know the Criterion, the Exchange, these other venues. Um, they'll go direct to them. So I'm in a slightly weird position where, as director of the festival, I don't know what the programme is going to be until deadline day, which is when everybody has to have submitted their details. Obviously, we've had conversations with people, but nearly every year, suddenly, on deadline day, a new venue has popped up, um, or a new show has been developed, or there's a whole new area of the festival that I knew nothing about, um, because they hadn't told us. And how would we know that they were planning on doing something unless somebody tells us? So... We we support comedians like you, so you could contact me and say, I want to do the festival, where should I go? Or you can contact promoters and venues direct. It's all kind of online, so people can just choose what they want to do. If you then want to go and see the venue and meet the promoter, that's fantastic. Um, if you then want to produce some posters and flyers and then bring them up to Leicester and take them to the venue, that's fantastic. All these things might sound really obvious, um, but an awful lot of comedians don't do them. Uh, so that uh, I was thinking on the train coming down this morning and one of the key things is to ask and to have a dialogue with the festival that you're going to whatever the festival is and particularly us it's really weird when comedians do Leicester and we've never had any contact with them whatsoever and they just turn up in February they do increasingly two or three nights and they go again because for how would they know about hotel deals that we have? How would they know about train deals that we have? How would they know who to send their press releases to? How would they know what hashtag to use on, on, on social media? You know, all those sorts of things. You need to... It's a real investment doing a festival. And if you just rock up and do your thing, you can be the best comedian in the world, but you, I don't think you'll get the most out of the festival experience as you might have done. Yeah, you're definitely coming to your house, as it were, and not asking if you take your shoes off you know what i mean like you're not <laughs> if that, make, if that idea yeah. makes sense yeah you're sort of not asking or helping or even taking the help that you're maybe paying for because you're you know absolutely uh, when, i assume it's the same again with edinburgh where you know you pay a, a, a sign-up fee for yeah. you guys and yeah. you, therefore you are working with us yeah not for i don't look at it as for us with edinburgh at all so i assume it's not the same with you where you've got loads of services you've been working on for 23 years now yeah it makes sense to take advantage of them yeah i think so and and certainly in leicester you know you can come and do one gig for 50 quid you know the the costs are not huge um but for we call them performance fees for that fee you do get the benefit i think of 22 23 years experience of knowing how to put on a really good show successful show at the festival and you know we'll look at your poster we'll look at press releases we'll the more we like comedians who do that um, of course, if you've got agents and PR and representation, you probably need to do that less. Um, but if you're just starting out, 
you know just t- talk to us you can get my email address off the off the internet you know it's not difficult um i did sorry i, I did you did yeah, yeah, yeah no yeah. absolutely and mm. i and i think that's i think that's a really we like people that do that there's a fine line between doing that and becoming a pain in the ass so don't do it too <laughs> much um but uh certainly yeah to have a relationship with us is important it's pretty much the same thing that Brighton and Edinburgh both said. They were like, do contact, but not every day. Yeah. Not like every hour that, that you've got a, you know, hypochondriac moment of, what's wrong yeah. with my poster? Yeah. Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. And I mean, certainly don't get my mobile number and phone me at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock at the weekends because I probably won't answer and or ring you back. But, um, uh, yeah, you know, you can talk to me. You can talk to other people in the team. You can get advice and support. That's what we're there for. Um, when you, you mentioned like when you started, mm-hmm. uh, Badil and Skinner were the new rock and roll essentially. Newman and Badil. New. Can do that again. <laughs> <laughs> you remember when you started? <laughs> yeah. And Newman and Badil were the yeah. new rock and roll. Some people get them confused with uh, Frank Skinner, but not not me. Uh, no, no one. Nor, would, nor you. Either. No, I would never. No. <laughs> I'm not going to have to leave that whole thing in now. Um, but yeah, so, uh, and there's been a whole thing recently where uh, comedians have been talking about the size of venues, and after a certain size, it loses something. Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you deal with particularly large venues, or do you, do you sort of try and keep them as. Because obviously, you just said like there could be a venue last minute that just pops up and stuff. Yeah. So, uh, are you quite conscious of that? Um, we don't have an arena in Leicester and I'm really glad we don't because uh, it would just skew everything. Um, I don't think arenas are particularly good venues to see comedy in because they're they're too big um, and they're not intimate enough um, and people are talking behind you and with their big tub of popcorn or whatever it is and they just go it's an event rather than a show and so our biggest venue is De Montfort Hall which is it's 15 1600 seats or something and and that's great um I think if uh, I know this is not what you meant I think if somebody was building an arena in Leicester we'd probably know about it before deadline day um but uh I hope that doesn't happen because I just think it sucks up part of your audience arguably it gives you a new audience but some of our audience would choose to go to the big arena gig um and and i just i just it would help our audience figures no end you know if we had i don't know a week of 10 15,000 people obviously we'd get another however many people that is coming to the festival but i just i, I don't personally i don't like them um and uh, so i'm pleased that there isn't one there that makes sense i mean yeah for for me yeah, as a performer, sort of too big a venue, and you sort of feel a bit like, yeah, you're right, so it's like an event rather than a show. And also, there's a different expectation there, I find. Yeah. Uh, I went, to, I took my dad to see McIntyre at, uh, at the Apollo because he likes McIntyre. Mm-hmm. And I asked him if he wants to go and see him do work in progress at the Soho. Mm-hmm. And he went, no, I want to see the finished thing. Right. Which is fine, but okay. it's that kind of different mentality. Yeah. Um, although afterwards, he did say, next time, let's go see him in Soho. <laughs> because he ended up watching him on a screen next to where he was standing. Yes. Which felt ridiculous. Yeah. yeah and it yeah. felt even more weird when someone got their phone out in front of us. So we were watching it through the screen of the person in front of us right, on okay. the screen. I mean, it's just. It's just crazy, isn't it? However, having said that, I, want, I went to see um, Monty Python at the A2 oh, okay. and thought that was brilliant. And, and that surprised me because I didn't think it was going to be such a show. But clearly, uh, them and their producers realised that it couldn't just be the four or five of them, however many that left, um, just doing their thing on stage. It was a whole show. But um, 
I also, you know, we're very lucky in the sense that a lot of famous people have, and, and I don't think, I wouldn't take any credit for this, they've sort of grown up with the festival, and so famous people now will come back and do the festival and will do tiny venues, sort of work-in-progress gigs or special appearances or... Q&A, we've started to do these Q&A interview things where I interview a comedian um, during the festival. And so it's not like we don't get famous people at the festival because we don't have an arena. Um, we do, and uh, and they work really well. They just don't do big arena gigs. And how involved are you in the circuit outside of, like, so like the Leicester circuit of gigs outside of uh, the festival itself? What do you mean? Do you mean... Uh, are you, have do you, you mean have relationships with them or do you help them out? Or, like, what's... what's outside the, of Leicester yeah, or in Leicester? In Leicester, in, in the city In itself. Leicester. Yeah. Well, um... Uh, n- not massively involved. Um, but we helped set up this thing this year, for this year's festival and back in February, called the Leicester Fridge, which is... It's called the Leicester Fridge because I didn't want to be a Leicester Fringe. Uh, so we thought what's the word that's a bit like fringe and we decided on fridge so that was that Um, and that's a sort of um, that's a supportive network for Leicester promoters and comedians Um, and so we support we don't run the fridge that's run by other people but we support it and uh, it's going to be back in February next year and so that's it's a sort of showcase I suppose for local uh, comedians and promoters Um, but we're as involved in that as we are in clubs across the UK and and increasingly Europe, actually, um, in terms of stuff that we're doing with some European festivals, <coughs> which is very exciting. And um, uh, I probably don't see as much comedy as I should, um, but other people, some of our promoters do, other people in our office do, um, and that's how we keep our um, ear to the ground, I suppose, in terms of who's good and who isn't. Are you um, involved in the Fringe Alliance? I think they're called the World Fringe Alliance. No. Okay. <clears throat> it's interesting because I never call us a Fringe Festival. Um, so uh, other people do, um, and that's fine. But I, 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 I think we're not, we're not, technically we're not a Fringe. Um, so uh, I know there is a, an online thing, um, but we're not, we don't participate in that. Because I guess we're not a Fringe, so we wouldn't be able to, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose. I, yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah. No, I. La- by the way, I laughed before because there's um, there's an open mic gig in London that I don't know if you're familiar with called the Freedom Fridge. Um, oh, okay. And uh, okay. yeah, they used to be called. Yeah, so they basically changed their name, so they're now not a fringe. Right. So, so I found it really amusing. <laughs> okay. That that you've sort of had the same. So process. someone else has done it as well. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's that's it's funny. a really nice gig. You should that's definitely funny. check it out if you. Yeah. Haven't. Okay, that's funny. Um, but yeah. Uh, when I when I did Brighton. Um, mm-hmm. Something I struggled with quite a lot is because I don't live there. Yeah. Promoting a gig is really hard. Yeah, uh, it's an hour away on the train, much like Leicester is, but it's not always viable. I mean, I have a day job still, so it's not really viable for yes. me to just keep popping back and forth. Yes. And you mentioned before, um, I think you were talking a little bit about flyering mm-hmm. and how that doesn't necessarily have the same impact mm-hmm. in, in there as does as in Edinburgh. What would you say is something that has impact at that festival? To sell your show? Well, yeah, to, to get the, the word out to the, your audience, essentially. Uh, uh, well, our audience tells, tells us that the, the copy and image in the brochure is the most is still the most important thing. Um, and still within that, a printed copy of our brochure is what most people get hold of. Um, so 
some of the copy that we get is really rubbish um and some of the images that we get are really bad um and we print them um and some people say to me as director of the festival you really shouldn't have that in your in your brochure it's like well that's what they've submitted so it's up to them really um so knowing how to write short uh, good copy is very important and we'll help you with that if you want to come to leicester and do a show for the first time um don't send in a picture of you on your summer holiday on the beach which people do um don't you have to remember that the picture the image in our brochure is about two and a half centimeters square so don't send a picture of you and 85 other people because you won't be able to see anything because it'd be too small i know these things are really ploddy and 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 uh, obvious to some people but we get a lot of bad images um so that's very important social media is very important uh, of course and i would say the other thing that's really important which goes back to what i was saying earlier is make friends with your promoter because in leicester you will have somebody in your venue who is promoting that that um that those events that are in their in their venue so if you're performing at the exchange or the criterion or manhattan or any of these sorts of places you ought to make friends and that can be visits but you can also do that on the phone or via email or twitter or whatever um Again, it's really surprising how comedians will come up and do their show one night, two nights, whatever it is, and uh, they won't have spoken to their promoter. They'll just have done it on email, and that's not that's not enough. Um, because if you get them to be your friend, they will sell the show on your behalf. So I think not being in Leicester is not a problem. We have new, most of our acts are not from Leicester. Um, and most of our shows, it's somewhere between 60 and 70% capacity we sell, um, which is really high. So if your room seats 100 people, you'll get between 60 or 70 people at your show. Um, most of the sales are, it's something like 70% of our sales are the week before the festival and on the day. So there's considerable walk up. So don't panic. <laughs> so a lot of our time the week before the festival is spent having conversations with people saying, no, don't worry, it's fine. I know you've only sold three tickets, but don't worry, it will go. And mostly it does. Of course, some shows die on their arse and, uh, and don't happen, but most, most out of 640 shows get good attendance. And they are real people. They are not your mates who are working in the venue. They're not other comedians. They are genuine, mostly genuine members of the public who've gone, do you know what, I'll go and see Simon Cain tonight. He's on at 8 o'clock. Why wouldn't they? <laughs> seems Why like, wouldn't they? Seems indeed. like a perfectly legitimate sentence so. that everyone would say. I think so, yeah. <laughs> Using that as a quote. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yes, I mean, you, you also, you don't run a free fringe. There are plenty of free shows in the festival, and there's plenty of pay-what-you-want shows as well. Um, yeah, that all happens, but it happens all within the festival. Um, so, yeah, there's, lo- there's lots of that. And there's lots of completely free shows where you don't even have to be slightly embarrassed at the end when you walk past the comedian holding their bucket and not put any money in. So, uh, yeah, that all happens within the festival. Is it, is it worth doing a paid show as a preview then? Because for most people, they, they see doing a f- preview you know charging for it especially if you're not like a name name it that makes sense especially if you're not a famous person yeah um then you know you you it sort of feels you know what i mean like it, it should be kind of a donation because you're sort of still working on it but is does the mechanics of leicester mean that you can charge <coughs> and they don't get annoyed depends how much you're charging um so i think 
What do I think? I don't know whether I've formed an actual opinion about free shows or or pay what you want or whatever. Um, and I know lots of people have an opinion about them. I would say, I think, and I might change my mind, always put a value on your show. So even if it's two quid or three quid, um, I would say always put a price on your on your show so that people have to pay that doesn't seem to i don't think that stops people from going um it also does really useful things like build up your mailing list because you'll have the email addresses of those people it also means that you know how many people might be coming to your show um those sorts of things are very handy even if it doesn't give you a huge amount of money at the end um i i think there's something psychological about me as a punter valuing what you're doing and if i'm not prepared to value it at two pounds or three pounds it's probably not worth me coming to see your show so i think that at the moment that's where i stand on the issue of free of free shows having said that there's loads in in leicester and and they seem to do reasonably well out of it for me i for me the most important thing is knowing how many people it's the only barometer you have because you can set up a Facebook page, can't you, for your show, and all your mates will go, yeah, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, and you'll have 80, 90 people going, yeah, I'm coming. And then on the day, they'll all go, oh, actually, no, we just clicked a button on a computer. <laughs> uh, we don't want to go. Um, so for that reason alone, I would always ticket it. Because you also, um, w- you mentioned in that answer where you were saying they come and do two, three, four, five nights out of the whole festival yeah what is an average run and what should be and like is, is it should we do like a whole festival like in edinburgh or is that too many net dates no uh, nobody has yet done every night um people have said they're going to and then it's not worked out for whatever reason um it would be really interesting to see what would happen um for a long time it was really frustrating because people just came and did one and then uh we changed the pricing structure so the fees that you pay us is now capped at three is it three or two can't remember it's either two or three performances so say we charge you 50 quid a performance if you did eight shows you would only pay 100 or 150 pounds you wouldn't pay eight times 50 pounds to do it so there's therefore an incentive now for comedians to do more shows because they're essentially free so you get 100 percent of whatever you get rather than giving us 50 quid um so now uh it's only happened really over the last two maybe three years that people are now doing two or three um a lot of people will do their last edinburgh show um and then they will do maybe two nights of work in progress or work in progress is sometimes a real um exaggeration of what it really is sometimes it's just notes on a piece of paper or just vaguely formed ideas um but they run that in and they'll do that for two possibly three nights so that's this podcast is brought to you by eHarmony the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. Happening more. However, there's still a large proportion of the festival, which is one one night, maybe two nights. So it's it's growing over time is the answer to your question. And for us, it would be great if there were more acts doing three, four nights, maybe five, partly because they're around longer and it's nice to have comedians around. If they just all come for one night and then leave, that's less good. But also you can get other spots because there's 640 shows in 19 days. So that's... I don't know, most days there's 30 shows, something like that. And because of things like Comedy in the Dark and Hotel to Comedy and other sort of stunty shows that we do, um, there's always opportunity to do five minutes somewhere else or ten minutes somewhere else. And if we're developing our mixed bill nights, which we are, then there'll be even more opportunity to do that going forwards. But, um, yeah, you ought to come for a couple of days at least. Okay. And I read about uh, the Best of Leicester Comedy Festival tour which oh, you guys, did you? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I, what, what? well, we don't do it anymore. Okay. <coughs> um, we did it. We did it. Oh, we haven't done that for years. Where did you find that? I found. I did a lot of googling. Yeah, you did, didn't you? Uh, yeah. No, I, I was reading about it. I can't remember where I read about <laughs> it. I've, I've written, jotted it down because I a I'd never heard of it before okay. then. Okay. So it was probably before I started in comedy. So at least looking five years. Back. Yeah, it probably was. It um, probably was. Yeah. All right. Then ignore that one. <laughs> then why did it stop? It stopped because we were going to, because there are more mixed bill shows and there's more mixed bill nights around the UK. I think. I mean, when we, yeah, we. I mean, it must have been four or five years ago that we did it, and um, it would maybe tour to sort of ten venues, and then we found that when we trekked over to Norwich Arts Centre to do essentially a mixed bill show, some of those acts had done it the week before or the month before, or were due to do it a couple of weeks after or something, and so we were doing it when there were less mixed bill shows basically and and now there's loads of them so it didn't make any sense for us to compete in that market makes sense and you you run for how many weeks is it three well it's 19 days so it's three weekends okay and obviously edinburgh is is i I don't want to keep comparing to that but obviously Mm -hmm. edinburgh is such a big beast that they don't really need to work on keeping the momentum going for the audiences to keep them sustained do you find that running your uh, like you said stunt shows yeah helps keep that momentum going and what else do you do to make sure that people are still keen and interested or coming or do you think by now they just like especially the locals just are really up for it because they know when it's coming around each year uh momentum's really important if i'm honest not least for ourselves um because because you're knackered and we're doing it I'm, this is not a sob story i i'm very lucky to have the job that i have and i love doing it but um you do get very tired um running the festival and um it's good to have something to look forward to at the end um so for years we never did it this might sound weird now we never did anything on the last night 
So what would happen is during the day on the last day, we'd all be really tired. Um, and then we'd just all kind of go drift off and go home and that'd be the end of the festival. And there wasn't a sort of marker to mark. I talked earlier on about why festivals are important and I love festivals. It's important to mark the beginning. It's also important to mark the end psychologically. So we introduced this show called Comedy Heaven, which is where all good comedians end up. Uh-huh. Nice. Um, nice. Uh, yeah, I like it too. Yeah. Nobody else does, but I do. I do. That's <laughs> Thank fine. You. Yeah. Um, and that's now our finale show. So right. the other reason why it's really useful is from a media point of view and a press point of view is if they've got stuff to talk about throughout the festival, then they genuine, gen- generally will. If, you don't, if, you, if everything's at the beginning and then nothing's at the end, your media coverage takes a nosedive so it it wasn't a cynical ploy to get media coverage but the reason why the leicester mercury comedian of the year is 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 and always has been and always will be on the last saturday of the festival is because that then gives us a bit of a lift at the end and gets a considerable amount of media coverage which helps enormously so um a lot of people ask me well surely mondays and tuesdays are really quiet aren't they well they're not i mean they're quieter than fridays and saturdays but actually, for acts, one of the things we say, which is not terribly popular, is if you're coming to Leicester for the first time, do a Monday or Tuesday, you will be competing against 20 shows. Come on a Friday, Saturday, you will be competing with 40 or 50 shows. So from an audience point of view, yeah, there's less people going out on a Monday and Tuesday, I imagine. But those people who are going out have less choice. So they're more likely to go and see you. Um, now, most most people I talk to go, oh, no, we want a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And you go, okay, fine, you can, but that's they are the really popular nights. So often for new comedians in particular, I would say do a Monday, Tuesday, because it just makes more sense. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it like that. It's quite interesting. Um, and I read a quote, I hope this quote is now, I <laughs> I read a quote on the um, Make Me Happy website that yep. said that... Um, They've become much more of a comedy, so much more than a comedy festival. Um, they've also become a project where a comedy as a vehicle for a strong community and social messages. Yes. Do you want to, before we go on, <coughs> explain what Make Me Happy is? So, as part of making the festival relevant to Leicester, we always had uh, what was called Leicester Comedy Festival's Community and Education Programme, which as well as being the dullest name for anything in the world, um, is also really long. Um, So basically what that was is uh, shows in schools, in libraries, in community venues, uh, workshops, uh, all sorts of different sorts of things. And so it took quite a long time, maybe 15 years, for us to rename Leicester Comedy Festival's Community and Education Programme to make me happy. Um, <laughs> so essentially what that is, is stuff in schools, community centres and libraries and other places. Sometimes it's about delivering messages. So sometimes it's around healthy eating, uh, not drinking so much, not smoking, cancer, all those great comedy topics. Uh, that comedy gold. Comedy, comedy gold, gold, yeah. yeah. Um, and sometimes it's just about teaching children how to draw cartoons or do stand-up or do improvised comedy or, or whatever. Um, so that's what made me happy is. And it's partly why our organisation, which is called Big Difference Company, is a registered charity. Um, so it does good things like make me happy. Um, but also I think for there's quite a lot of comedians 
who will do their show in the evening will maybe do, I don't know, a comedy in the dark or something like that. But then during the day, when most comedians are, if they're at the festival, are in their hotel rooms recovering from the night before, go to the cinema, there's nothing to do. For a lot of comedians that come and do Leicester, we can give them other work by them running workshops or doing stuff, community stuff, um, which I think sometimes has a bad press, you know? It just sounds really, you know, you're not you're a comedian you're not a social worker you're not a community worker i understand that um but it happens at all scales with new comedians but also what we do sometimes which is not really promoted or publicized is where famous people go into schools and kids get to meet comedian x and ask some questions about their career and their job and and i think that's very important it's very important mainly because it gives it gives young people the opportunity to consider comedy and performing as an option so i think certainly when i was at sc- well when i was at school i was very fortunate because i wanted to be a promoter and a producer and i've become one so when i was 13 i want that's what i wanted to do but most of my friends were you know got a, i don't know a day out in a car um to be a mechanic or to be a carpenter or to be an insurance man or whatever it happens to be and i would like in no great I want to change the world kind of way, but I would like young people to be able to think, actually, I'd like to be a comedian, and that's what I'd like to do. And then they, if they meet a famous comedian when they're at school, they might be encouraged to do that. Yeah, it sort of um, doesn't take away the glass ceiling, but it makes them see like, that it's achievable. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I am, I'm only doing this because when I was young, very young, and, I, and people would say, what do you want to do? The only person who told me I couldn't was my careers teacher at school told me when i when he said what do you want to be and i said a producer he he basically laughed and said no uh, and what do you want to go and study at university i want to do event manage, uh, arts management and he tried to persuade me to go and do english and i had to explain to him why english was not the same as arts management media studies was a possibility um but you know it, it is an option lots of people earn decent money out of being stand-ups and comedians and why shouldn't that be an option for young people it should be it's interesting, I mean, because there's been a lot of arts funding cuts and a yeah. lot of um, comedians have been struggling to... to I mean, because like, I remember when I, I did Logan Murray's course mm-hmm. and he was talking about when he started, there were, there were like subsidies for, for performers, mm-hmm. uh, especially like for accommodation in London, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you, do you think governmentally, like it's become sort of a trickier battleground for, for comedians if they wanted to become full-time performers because a lot of my friends have jobs for example yeah uh, and and a lot of them are dead-end jobs because they need enough flexibility to do this yeah so it's really good from my perspective that there is a a festival that outside of festival is trying to encourage people to do more art stuff yeah um i from a government point of view it's it's not I think it's just comedy is just not seen as needing it um, because comedy is perceived to be a commercial endeavour, generally. Um, so the government's off the hook, aren't they? Because they don't need to invest in it because it does very well on its own, thank you very much. Um, but I think there are numerous examples of where government and government agencies like the Arts Council and others do fund comedy and humour-based activities and projects, but they are... It's there for an alternative. It's not just there to make the comedian rich. 
So if it's a community project, there were comedy shows as part of the Cultural Olympiad in 2012. You know, there are we've we've got funding to do health-based comedy projects. Um, this is going to sound really weird. We've just com- we were just commissioned just recently to run a project in Lincolnshire to encourage older people with arthritis to do more exercise to to improve their health and well-being. Right. So Arthritis Research UK came to us and said. We want to work with you because we know you do some stuff which is accessible and people like. Um, So we developed a stand-up comedy show and it toured around community venues in Lincolnshire. And it was very, very successful. And lots of the people that went uh, benefited from the exercise program that they then went on after the show. Um, That was funded. We got funding to do that. and, And it was a very successful project. And there's lots of things like that. So I think you know, particularly comedians who perhaps can make films uh, or can do animation, um, there's lots of opportunity to use comedy in everyday life um, and to get funded for it. But if you want to be funded to do open spots around the London circuit, I would suggest you're probably not going to get it. Um, other people disagree with me. Other people think that we ought to be shouting at the Arts Council going, you need to fund this, you need to fund this. I don't think they're going to. And with the decrease in public funding, available public funding, with cuts and everything, it ain't going to be. So put your efforts somewhere else, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I think trying to subsist or trying to get some sort of help as a live performer is less viable. But to do, like you said, films or to do TV stuff or whatever, it seems to be easier. Mm. Sorry, I didn't mean to get no, I, uh, I think it can. I think it can be. I mean, there was that thing. There was a um, was it this year or last year? I can't remember. There was the stop smoking campaign that had Paddy McGuinness and Lee Nelson and others on television hmm. doing material, and then there was a whole load of adverts linked to that. And um, I mean, certainly when I was growing up, the whole AIDS, um, HIV thing. There were late night TV shows that were educational, but they had comedians on messing around with cucumbers and and condoms and stuff invariably and so there's lots of comic relief is another example of uh that uses comedy to promote uh positive messages if i can put it that way um and and anybody can do that and you can possibly get funding for it um do you think more festivals should try and do more community-based stuff for all community and social enterprises that help improve the local area and and beyond not just focusing on the actual festival itself or do you think the reason why you're able to do it and other festivals might not be able to do it is because like you said you're not a fringe festival you're a you're a specifically set up festival for what you do Mm -hmm. and as a result you have the flexibility of going well we do this but we also want to do this um it depends what they're in business to do it depends if you're just and i say just that's not a derogatory thing but if you're if you if you set up a comedy festival in order to book the best comedians around and uh, for it to be a, a showcase of stand-up comedy, uh, probably not, if I'm honest, because that wouldn't fit your remit of why you're running a festival. If your festival is like ours, which as said earlier about the balance between the words Leicester comedy and festival, if we frankly matter to people in Leicester, then, uh, then you have... To my mind, you have to do those things. Um, and we're in a position now where there are 20-year-olds, 25-year-olds in Leicester who have known nothing but every February having a comedy festival. 
and they have had workshops in their schools throughout their school life and there is a an, an expectation that that will happen and it's part of if you like their entitlement that that's what they like um and 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 that's what happens but if you're just if you're just running a comedy festival then probably not um because that sort of social impact if you like that's community engagement is not as important i would strongly argue that it makes a festival much more sustainable um financially and in every other way um if you do get that engagement because you get more people having that entitlement if you like or having that expectation that something will happen in february i mean people still are surprised you know i could decide not to do this anymore and i think if i decided not to do it anymore it certainly wouldn't happen in the same way as it does now it's only there because enough people think that that it should happen and make it work um and i'm very proud of that that i've played a role in developing that over 20 years to the point where people want that involvement and that engagement and that's everybody from the cathedral in leicester to the nhs to the local council to the newspapers to comedians to venues um what we do is not just a sort of love fest for comedians yeah no that makes i mean for me for example the people that repeatedly come back and watch my stuff are people that i've spent time with or i've chatted exactly and whatever and that's not just friends that's just like i remember at the end of my brighton fringe run uh, i had a few people come up to me i'm doing a show about buddhism and they came up to me because they'd seen it in the brochure Mm -hmm. and we chatted about the some of the inaccuracies in my show and so but i pointed out to them that the point of it being inaccurate is i'm meant to be that i'm struggling with it and i'm not understanding it Mm -hmm. and and they were like oh no we get it we just wanted to make sure you knew Mm -hmm. and it was really nice we went for not a drink but we just hung out and it was Mm -hmm. it was really good and and we stayed in touch so So it's part of your show about presumably it is about buddhism it's it's called buddhism and cats yeah but the, but the content of the show is about uh, yeah I'd say sometimes people just have daft names for shows no not no. that it's a daft name uh, <laughs> it is but, a daft and name. then the content has no resemblance to what the show is called the initial idea for the show has changed right, so okay. but the 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 concept now is how i i had to sort of lose a lot of everything that i was holding on to okay to change as a person and uh, part of the change was discovering buddhism that's that's the very shorthand of it. Okay, okay. The original the original concept was I bought a cat and I and I briefly tried to become more calm by learning from the cat and I realized very quickly the cat if anything was a buddhist because he's a very <laughs> zen quiet okay. reclusive character. Okay. Um it that show did not work at all. So I dropped that show and now the show is yeah. So it's it's kind of one of those um journey shows. So you could do when you when you come to Leicester in February, you mm. could do a show with local Buddhists about what they believe and comedy, and mm. that then suddenly means that you're having a you're developing an audience cynically, mm. but also you're having a greater impact on. You could also do stuff with the Cat Protection League or whoever it happens to be, you know. Well, but that but that suddenly means you are having that social and community engagement. You're not just doing a 50-minute show, whatever it is, um, one evening in a pub. You're actually... It's, so it, what I'm saying is it doesn't always have to be pat on the head, worthy, oh, isn't that lovely, he's doing stuff in schools, type thing that we sometimes get. Mm. Um, sometimes it's just about making your audience bigger and having bigger impact. Well, this is the thing. When I, when I did Brighton um, a couple of months ago... I I called up loads of cat sanctuaries before I went there, right? And I said, like local ones, not the RSPCA or anything. Yeah. And I said, I'd love to, as a press shot, do a gig to cats, 
like I'd love to come in can you do that yeah and all of them said a few of them couldn't let the cats out because they were street cats and they said they just fight okay uh, which is fair yeah uh, a few of them said they don't keep their cats in in sort of enough uh, one place so they mm-hmm. can't get enough of them out it'd mm-hmm. be like four or five in each place and they can't bring them they can't you don't you're not going to transport cats that often yeah. so to carry them for a shot it seems cruel yeah, um, yeah. And there was loads of issues with that and then the RSPCA when I contacted them this bit will get edited out but they wanted a, quite a big donation to do it okay and I was like quite okay. frankly I thought I was helping you here because yeah. you know what I mean um, and then I had the same thing with Buddhism down there I, I found a Buddhist sanctuary and I couldn't get it done in time they seemed more up for it because they're easier to round up than cats yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm hoping to do it in that's probably not the best way of phrasing it is it um, but I'm hoping to do it in Edinburgh um, by the time this has gone out it will have it will, it will, you will know whether it's happened, happened or not because yeah, this yeah. is going out in September because yeah. um, that's when you open up your uh, your, your uh, bookings as yeah. it were yeah. Um, but yeah so and I'm hoping if I get to come to Leicester I'll do that because for me the idea was to do something A local um, B community led and C like linked to the show but a bit quirky Yeah. Um, and I thought that'd be really fun but in Brighton it wasn't something they could I mean the, the, the Brighton Fringe people supported it and they were like oh you can contact these people and, and Google also helped me find other places mm-hmm. but it felt like that was as far as they could go with the help. But it feels like if I came to Leicester, you could go, well, we know this cat sanctuary and they're yeah. a local place. And yeah. So it sort of automatically feels like to me that you um, have, have become part of the ecosystem Yes. much more than, than another festival. Even Edinburgh, which is part of their yearly ecosystem, it sometimes feels like businesses up there are a bit like, oh, there's going to be 200,000 people here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and we're not prepared for that in a way. Is that fair or is that... I think it probably is, and I. So, for example, the other day um, in Leicester, there's a courier company who love comedy. The boss thinks comedy is great, and uh, he said to us about a month ago, um, and this happens quite a lot, which always makes me laugh, really. But he said, um, he said we've got loads of vans, and in Leicester you always see these vans driving round. And I went, yeah, I know you do. I see them all everywhere. And he said, would you mind if we put your logo on all our vans? And I went, would I mind if you put out? No, of course I wouldn't mind. That would be fantastic. So now there's a whole load of vans that go around which have got our logo plastered on the side throughout the year. Um, and the local police in Leicester wanted to do... Have they got a, a logo on the side? No. <laughs> that would be great. That would be great. Um, they wanted to do a um, project around uh, terrorism and uh, stuff. And what they did to try and talk to young people in schools um, instead of sending a policeman along and doing a thing they employed nothing to do with us they employed a comedian who went around and then made a film and it was much more engaging and much more uh, accessible for the young people who thought this comedian was really super cool and so they listened to what he was saying Um, so those things happen a lot in Leicester and that's because we are part of the I think you said ecology we're part of the landscape and uh, that's great um, because the more locally people, and, and it would be great if that happened elsewhere as well, but the more locally people can do that, it helps sustain us. No, that fi- that's exactly the kind of, so you're selling Leicester to me very well. As in, as a, as a, as a first, no, because it's exactly the kind of thing I'm interested in. So, like, like I do this, and I share a lot of. I, I share everything basically for free mm. online mm. because I, I think you should share information. I think yeah. that's why the internet's there, and that's why yeah. you know comedy's great. And so it's really nice to hear that there is a festival out there that does it plus, as it were. Because obviously, you know, when I went to Brighton, they were very they were very entrenched with their festival, and they were very uh, good connections with their their venues and stuff. But like I said, when it came to beyond that it was a bit trickier so it's quite nice to hear 
I mean, we've only we've only done this and been able to do it because for for ten years we had nothing. Um, you know, it was far from a financial success the festival, and so when times are hard, it's the same with people. You go and talk to your friends. And you go, times are really hard. Can you either lend me some money, give me some money, or help me out in some way? And so that's the only, that's, it was done out of necessity, really. Um, and thank God it was, because otherwise we wouldn't be here however many years later. So it, it was part of our survival strategy, if you like. Although that was never written down on a piece of paper or, or called that. But that's why we did it, you know. No, that's awesome. And um, just going back slightly um, to Dave as a sponsor, because mm-hmm. um, you, you were saying that you guys get on quite well, mm-hmm. and as a result, it's kind of easy. But when someone sponsors, I'm them, not sure I said it was easy. Oh, so, <laughs> but okay. we do get on quite well. You do get on quite well. Um, so when you when you get on with a sponsor, like yeah. when, or when you get a sponsor on board, yeah. generally speaking, they have a, a list of things they're trying to get out of the festival itself. Yes. Do you, are you able to say what they get out of the festival beyond, for example, the the the, the branding on the uh, name of the festival as well as that the pun championships uh, I think you'd have to ask them if, okay. I'm, if I'm honest I've got, I've got the guy who is the commissioning uh, TV commissioner Dave coming on soon so I oh, can is ask him instead of Ian Cole uh, oh brilliant yeah. okay okay so, so I can so ask can him ask if you him. want yeah. you can ask him yeah. I, I'll say I that you said he has to answer it yeah uh, <laughs> I, I, I think uh, yeah you'd have to ask them what they get out that's of fine okay no that's fine I, I just thought it'd be interesting to know because uh, obviously they've, they've picked your festival like you said very specifically yes. and you've picked them very specifically so I'd, I just wanted to know how that dynamic fit in together as you know because obviously you need to get enough out of it as well that that works for you so yes yeah. a lot of people thought when we when Dave came along that I'd sold it to Dave or um, they wanted to know because I've been involved in the festival since the beginning a lot of people associate me and the festival um so yeah there, there was a bit on twitter about you know oh jeff sold sold it and now he's on his you know yacht somewhere having a fantastic life that's not true um and they they don't interfere so sometimes people say do you have to run the program past them and it's like well no we don't sit there with 640 names of comedians going are they in dave or not and they go well not sure about them so we cross them off that doesn't happen um they they it's a collaborative thing and uh and sometimes i might have said sometimes it's easy um sometimes it's really difficult because they're a commercial sponsor and they're a commercial company and they need to get stuff out of it um but uh it's been a it's been a mostly entirely brilliant thing to have them on board because it's enabled us to do what we wanted what i've wanted to do for years and never had the money to do it and and what are you most proud of in terms of the festival in the last 23 years <sighs> one thing or can yeah. i have a few you can have a few <coughs> um no, you can only have one you're gonna <laughs> god well um i think well i'll have two um bringing Roseanne Barr over from America to do her what turned out to be first ever UK stand-up performances was very exciting and and I was very proud of that and there's lots but the other one I would cite which is the most recent was doing I mentioned earlier about when we started we wrote to Norman Wisdom and asked him to become a patron of the festival this year we did an exhibition with his son of his memorabilia and his archive and it opened on the first day of Leicester Comedy Festival 2015. And 
that was going to be Norman's 100th birthday. Um, and working with Nick, his son, putting, putting the exhibition up in Leicester, I didn't put it together, he compiled it, because he had all of his dad's stuff in his loft and in his garage. But doing that was was just amazing. Um, I've still got the letter that Norman wrote me in 93 saying, yes, he'd become a patron. Um, and he came and performed at the festival. Uh, I can't remember the year now, but he, he performed at the festival. Um, and doing that exhibition with Nick was just incredible. I had to keep... It was one of those occasions where I just kept pinching myself going, I can't quite believe that I'm sat here with Norman Wisdom's son doing this incredible exhibition that people loved. Um, that was that was that was a huge thrill, um, but there's been loads. Uh, you know, um, Johnny Vegas winning the Leicester Mercury Comedian of the Year, seeing Jason Manford's first ever hour-long show, Sarah Millican's first hour-long show, um, Rod Gilbert winning the Comedian of the Year. Uh, there's loads. In, in terms of the festival's development itself, were there any milestones that stand out from you that you now look back on and go that? had to happen for this to become as big as it is now or that, that I'm glad that happened or, or at the time I wasn't glad that happened but now I realised that it was something we needed to happen to change something that we were doing to make it as big as it is now One of them, we sort of touched on this when we were chatting when we first met but one of the most important things we have ever done even when we were really skint and we had literally no money, um, we have always invested in PR. Um, having a national PR agent, we've done it since 1995, every single year. They're based in London and that has had massive impact in terms of the festival and developing it. So we were saying earlier on, sometimes they don't give us get don't get us coverage, particularly in the early years. Um, but it was really, I am, I'm really glad we did it. And uh, other people who run festivals often ask me, how do you get in the Guardian, and how do you get on the One Show, and how do you get in all these publications, full pages in the Daily Mirror, and and stuff and it's because we've got a PR agent and we've worked with them for whatever it is since 1995 and that's been really important so I don't know whether that directly answers your question but it's it's difficult to think of other things that we've done because essentially what we've done is make it up as we go along there's no master plan at all you know um it was never supposed to carry on. It was supposed to be a student project. We were supposed to graduate and go and get proper jobs. In fact, most of the people in my group did go and graduate and get proper jobs. Um, uh, it's just evolved over time, and we've taken loads of risks. That's probably the second most important thing, is we do things like comedy in the dark, for example. Stupid idea. Um, some people get a bit angry with me about comedy in the dark and go it's just ridiculous how can you possibly see a comedy show with the lights off you know the comedian can't see the audience vice versa and it's like yeah I know I know all of that it's in the dark um, and it's not supposed to I'm not trying to start a revolution that all comedy shows from now on should be in the dark it's a stupid idea but it seems to people seem to like it both acts like it and audiences like it and we're doing it on the south bank at the moment actually as part of the Edderbelly thing and we're doing it in Edinburgh and we do it in lots of different places. So risk is important. Just going, we all the time sit in our office and sometimes the pub going, right, we've got to do 
we've got to do something stupid next year what will it be and we come up with stupid ideas comedy in the car was something we did this year which was tom allen sat in a car with three members of the public driving around leicester for an hour um and we just do them and sometimes they work and sometimes they absolutely don't work at all (laughs) and nobody comes and it's a complete disaster we lose a lot of money but the festival stays exciting maybe it stays fresh one of my biggest fears is that somebody will go either it wasn't as good as last year's or um it was just the same as last year's and that is my biggest fear i think is that it doesn't as soon as it stops evolving as soon as it stops being i'll use exciting and i don't know whether that's the right word but partly exciting for me to keep interested in it um will be the day i should stop stop doing the festival i think because that risk is really important um and my board of directors sometimes don't agree with me because they go this is a stupid idea and i sit there and go yes it is really stupid but so was comedy (laughs) Uh, in the dark and and so was the festival in the first place you know a group of (laughs) students doing a comedy festival who'd never promoted comedy before in a city like leicester that had no comedy tradition it was a stupid idea um so we need to keep hold of that yeah definitely definitely and do you think if someone wanted to start a festival now it's because obviously when you started you kind of have a I mean how many other festivals were there in the country really? it was Liverpool and Birmingham yeah and, uh, so neither of them were the ones that happen now yeah um, they were run by different people and the year 1994 I think it was Liverpool Comedy Festival went bust right and the following year Birmingham went bust so it wasn't a very good time for comedy no. festivals um, so yeah they were the only two when we set up right so I mean and now there's quite a lot of them hundreds of, of them yeah so do you think it's i mean do you think there's like a because they can because they're all different and differentiating between each other yeah do you reckon it's easier now because there's niches that are coming out of it and so people can pull in different like sort of audiences or do you think it's harder now because there's just hundreds of them uh i don't i don't really know because i've never set up any uh, one other than leicester um i think uh, i think the worst people to set up comedy festivals and I don't. I imagine none of these people are listening to your podcasts. Um, <laughs> are local authorities? They shouldn't set up comedy festivals. Um, councils shouldn't set up comedy festivals. Brands shouldn't set up comedy festivals. Um, I think if you're, you know, if you're really passionate about what you do, and you want to do it, and if you've got a sort of niche, um, whatever that might be, then then why not i mean it's great fun you know it's i mean it's you know don't get me wrong it's brilliant um if you want to do it to create a business and make money don't do it because uh you won't do that certainly in the short term you won't do that i don't think um uh yeah but if you can if you if you want to if you want to do it just do it um and set it up and see how it goes um, but don't don't do it with false expectations. I think totally. And and if you could go back and redo some stuff again, do you think there's anything you would change? Well, um, uh, people often ask me that. I, I don't think so because I, I mean, we've messed up loads. You know, <laughs> we we really have. Um, we've done really stupid things uh over the years but i i don't think i would 
change that. I think, I think, um, I'm trying to think. I would, uh, I would have set up a proper company in the early years with a board uh, and a limited company. So the first couple of years, I think it was, it was just me and a friend doing it. And uh, if we'd had a house, uh, we would have lost it. And uh, that's not a very, that's not a great feeling in the world. Um, so I would have had to protect that legal protection, I suppose, which is dull, but important. Um, no, I don't, I honestly don't think there is anything I change. It's been absolutely fantastic. We've just made it up as we went along. We, it was 10 years before I had to write a business plan. <laughs> you know, we just, we just messed around and it was fantastic. And somehow every February there was this thing that happened and lots of people came and it worked. And then, yeah, for the first 10 years, literally, we'd do the festival, we'd get over the hangover. Um, and then, like, the sort of actual hangover, but also the sort of emotional hangover of done it, because you are knackered at the end. And then we'd go, should we do it again? And we'd go, yeah, all right. And we'd plan the next... You know, that's how that happened for 10 years. Um, there was no master plan at all. Um, and all the mistakes... I'd probably want to make those similar mistakes again because that's how you learn Um, and that's how it stays interesting and exciting and fresh Um, and I don't want it to be anything other than that that's what festivals are about isn't it you know festivals are about disrupting the status quo and uh, poking people and interfering with the daily mundane lives that most people live most of the time if there's a festival on you suddenly go oh it's a festival and it's exciting um and that's very 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 important so you have to mess up and try stuff out and do things cool um and last two questions Mm -hmm. who are your favorite comedians (laughs) (laughs) i can't ever say that because all the others will complain um uh I or should we do it a different way? What are the what are your favourite things you s- have seen recently at your festival? Well, uh, if I may say so, that's a dreadful question because um, okay. only because I get to see very little at my festival because okay. uh, <laughs> I'm running around seeing stuff and, and meeting people and okay. I try not to see things in Leicester okay. generally because. I feel uncomfortable sat in a venue watching a show when there should be. I should be doing something else. That's true because I know I was chatting to someone. You're going to see their show tonight. Oh um, right. Because they they messaged me saying, "Oh, are you free? I've doing my show. Do you want to come see it at the Hen and Chickens?" Okay. And I said, "Oh, I can't. I've got to interview you. Yeah. And then I've got to do a gig myself." And yeah. they were like, "Oh, he's coming tonight. He's yeah, yeah. tickets." So, yeah. 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 So that's kind of interesting. No, I didn't see it in the festival. No. Um, uh, I uh, so the, uh, the answer. I think one of the answers to questions is Emo, Emo Phillips. When I was growing up, I used to, um, because in those days we had VHS video recorders, um, and I used to stay up late at night when I knew Emo was on anything, and I loved him and thought he was brilliant. And uh, and then I'd go to school and talk about him, and my friends would go, why are you talking about, who is it again that you're talking about? Emu? Uh, uh, he was... Uh, brilliant when still i was is. growing up still yeah. is brilliant yeah. yeah 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 i haven't seen him for a long time but he's he's, yeah. he's amazing yeah um so i like uh, i think i'm right in saying he's never done the festival but um he's a sort of a quirky uh, odd comedian i like that um uh what have i seen at my festival most recently that i really like you, you don't have to if it's, i'm if, not if, sure if, if putting you in all i'm not place, sure i can yeah no, i'm not sure i can and you don't genuinely want to say who you like comedy wise <laughs> i don't mind Alex Edelman, I saw, came and did 
so I judged the um, uh, the Foster's Edinburgh Award last year um, and saw Alex and thought and still think he was absolutely amazing um there were there were quite a few people and i won't name them all in edinburgh in particular that i saw last year because i was doing the awards i saw more comedy <laughs> than i would like to um uh i saw lots and uh but he he's just fantastic um and he did our launch preview show in january um he flew in from america that morning and was absolutely knackered um but i think he's great um and there's load there's loads see now i'm i will i will get comments people will go well you didn't mention me um he was very good i like the way you think that many people listen to this like that you think <laughs> you think yeah. you well we'll know won't yeah, we yeah. if no one ever says to me <laughs> even alex won't message me and go thanks for mentioning me on that podcast yeah yeah, yeah we'll know how truly successful these podcasts this are. episode's gonna go viral isn't it? <laughs> it's gonna be the only one that gets that many that many listens and uh. you're gonna just get hundreds of emails from comedians who are like i'm not coming to your festival anymore <laughs> yeah probably you don't even unless like you're called alex and yeah, there's yeah, no yeah. there's no point yeah, yeah totally and um i often ask this and i don't know if you'll have an answer for it but all right um do you because a lot of festivals and a lot of promoters have uh, reading material and books and uh, stuff like that that they would particularly recommend for performers to uh, look into mm-hmm. do you have any favorite books or works that you would recommend people to look into um i don't read a huge amount i like reading autobiographies and biographies uh, most of mine and this will make me sound really dull most of mine are about people in the entertainment industry behind the scenes so uh i so there's an american um was an american music um i don't know what you call him manager clive davis i read his autobiography that was amazing um i haven't read it for years but richard branson's was brilliant um those sorts of people are what i like to when i do read which not very often i like to read those sorts of books because when i was i suppose well when i was a teenager that's what i wanted i wanted to be michael evis from glastonbury um and uh unfortunately he has a daughter who he's sort of given it to but my plan was that michael evis would one day realize that he needed to give it to me and i could run glastonbury uh which is never going to happen but uh uh, whilst Emily's alive, um, but um, <laughs> don't, don't say it like that. <laughs> 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 ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Um, so yeah, people. That's I. I don't. I sort of. I've read books about um, people like Norman Wisdom, uh, Morecambe Wise. You know those sorts. Those sorts of books, but nothing. I don't think any of those necessarily would directly be helpful to comedians. No, but it's also it's just interesting to learn what you're interested in as well. Because the because pod- I try in the podcast to get let out the personality of the person who's on it as well, mm-hmm. and so it's just a kind of that's why I ask those two questions mm-hmm. just to get like a feel for what you enjoy, even though it doesn't have a direct impact on that necessarily. It's just interesting. Um, I was going to be a music promoter. Mm. I mean, that's what I was going to be. Yeah. And when I went to study arts management at university, I was determined. It was only because of this thing in the final, well, in the second year, in the summer term, where people said, should we run a comedy festival? I'd never thought of it in a million years. It's a hell of a lot easier than running music gigs, let me tell you. Um, So I'm very glad that I'm not a music promoter. But uh, it's, um, uh, so that, the industry bit, the festival bit, is what is of equal excitement as the comedy for me. It's really important that, 
people understand that because if you just run a comedy festival out of a passion for comedy and ignore the festival bit or ignore where you are in my opinion it won't be a terribly good festival it might be great for the comedians and for the audiences but it won't have have the impact yeah. that it could have and last question that was your last question oh, no no I've, I've, I just want to ask this to I'll end on it oh, sorry okay. All right. uh, I was going to say if you have one bit of advice for a performer that was going to take part in the Leicester uh, sorry Dave's Leicester well Comedy done. Festival I knew I could see you were about to pick me up on that <laughs> um, if you had one bit of advice uh, for someone about to take part in your festival um, what would that be uh, writing good copy is is really important um and I would also say, um, it's the stuff that we talked about earlier. It, I would say it's get in touch with the festival and your promoter. You know, a lot of people just focus on getting a spot, you know, so my spot's at six on Thursday. And that's great. Um, and you can just rock up and do your show and go, and that's fine. But you'll get much more out of it by engaging with it. Um, speaking to the people in the office uh speaking to your promoter before you turn up um is really that, that those two things so good copy is the most important thing i would probably say um yeah cool well thank you very much for coming on that's right it's a pleasure thank you Cheers. thank you that was jeff i he's so interesting and I just love the idea that you would start a festival as a project and then for the next 10 years, like a school project, and then for the next 10 years go, should we do that again? Yeah, let's do that again. And then just do it and like not even have a company set up for it or, and, just, and just the mechanics of that would actually work. And it's grown into such a community-led thing. I'm, as I say a lot, I'm really community-orientated. So f- to hear that there is a festival that is that community-orientated really gets me excited. And I'll be d- hopefully doing it. I'm going to apply to take part in it because it sounds really exciting. And he... Uh, after we finished recording this, offered to help me sort out a live Q&A at the festival, uh, which will be really exciting, so we'll hopefully be doing a podcast there. Very tentative stages for that. That's going to be in February next year, but do join up to the Facebook group. Uh, it's called Ask the Industry Podcast on Facebook, and uh, you'll get more information about that. If you, Again, if you're a patron, you will get free tickets for all the live shows, but all the podcast recordings of the live shows will be released for free, but they might take a little bit of a while for me to get through because they're going to be a hell of a bitch to edit. So um, if you want to come live and you want to actually ask questions, please do. If you're a patron and you can't come and you want to submit a question, I'll make sure that gets asked because you are supporting this so kindly that i can't not let you have that opportunity so uh, if you want to join up to that the website is patreon.com forward slash ask the industry podcast you can do it from one dollar which is 80p and there's three pods a month so it'll cost you two pound 40 a month like it's not that much it's it's really cheap so um thank you so much for everyone who has uh taken part in that it's really lovely of you and um again my fringe show in Edinburgh is at Just the Tonic Caves, not at Cowgate Head. If you go to my website, which is simoncain.co.uk, you can find all the details. Please do come if you can. If you're in Edinburgh and you want to see it, it's called Buddhism and Cats. I'm really worried that no one's going to come because the listing's going to go in the wrong direction. I realise that it's not the be-all and end-all and word of mouth and all that stuff, but it is quite a worry for a performer and for all my friends who are performers who were in Calgate Head that people won't know where their show is and they will go into the wrong direction. It's also sort of an excuse that I don't like having. So, like, if no one comes one day, which could happen, 
I could go, oh, it's because everyone went to the wrong listing, not because I didn't promote it enough. So, <laughs> which we've all done. We've all sort of lied to ourselves about something that, that had an impact on Oh, it was a Wednesday. Yeah, it was definitely a Wednesday. Uh, that's the reason why no one came to my show. Um, no, it's, we've all got an excuse for every day why it could have gone wrong. But I don't want that excuse. I want to know that I put in all the effort that I possibly can to make sure that people know when my show is and make sure that if they want to come, they can. So if you want to come... Please go to my website, find out the information. It's called Buddhism and Cats. It's on at 7.30pm. It's on at Just the Tonic Caves. It's free. Pay what you want. So please come. Also, very quickly, I've entered my Fringe poster into a Fringe poster comedy competition thing. The link is in the show notes of the podcast as well as in the description of the podcast. Basically, uh, there's an audience vote which means that the poster that gets the most votes, even if you vote it one star, it counts. So it's the poster that gets the most votes will win. So if you could spare a minute to log in and just click however many stars you think it's worth. If you do five stars, that's really helpful because it might go forward to the judges uh, voting. But if you can't do that, just click one star if you want, and it really helps to get me more votes to get to the audience vote. So, but don't don't just vote it one star if you can help it. Um, four and five stars are obviously the best um, in this really arbitrary system. But uh, the reason I really want that to happen is because the prize is like a grand or something, or, or slightly more than that, and I'm going to split it with my poster designer, and hopefully that means she'll get some more work in the industry for designing posters because I think she's bloody amazing and she's so professional about everything and also it can help me recoup some of the money back from my listing in the Edinburgh Fringe brochure that now is incorrect so if you want to help me get that money back but you don't want and you can't like financially support directly please do do that that would be amazing yeah thank you very much for doing that if you do and if you do let me know you did it so I can thank you because unfortunately it doesn't tell me who did it and that's really annoying because I do actually want to thank people who help me out so yeah the next episode should be with Ben Williams from Time Out, and it's just a fascinating interview. If you listen to the Londonist episode, you will uh, be more than aware of the kind of interview that will be. Uh, if you haven't listened to Londonist, if you haven't listened to the Londonist episode, I recommend you go and do that while you're waiting for the Ben Williams episode. Ben Williams, if you don't know, is the comedy editor at Time Out, so uh, yeah, it's going to be quite exciting. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for sharing. Thank you very much for donating and becoming a patron. If you do, I will see you next time. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>